University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. We'll take a look at the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 12. As we were in the process of walking through with the, with the UBC pastor search team in 2017 and 2018, there was a prerequisite for us coming to Baton Rouge. You had to have a Krispy Kreme in town. Now, that sounds silly, uh, and I know there's a deep commitment to Mary Lee's here, and I'm not discrediting Mary Lee's. I'm just saying that my palate responds better to a hot glazed donut from Krispy Kreme. And while Krispy Kreme in Baton Rouge is uh, under construction right now, it's going to be until the new year before they actually open, um, they're teasing me with this new donut they have. We have it up here on the screen. This is uh, Krispy Kreme and Reese's have collaborated to bring us a donut filled with Reese's peanut butter and topped with chocolate, or you can reverse it and get a peanut butter topped donut with chocolate filling. Just take my money now. It's a miracle that Krispy Kreme is 35 minutes away from my house because I think I would be at that store every single day. And you can't just buy a Krispy Kreme donut from the store. That's not the same thing. There's something about the essence of it being in the same place it was made in. Reese's peanut butter cup filling. That is the kind of goodness I want in my donut. Last week we started a new series talking about filling our lives with the goodness of Jesus. We started this new series, Brimming Buckets, Filling Our Lives with the Goodness of Jesus. We are investigating Paul's letter to the Colossians in which he challenges them to live lives of kindness and goodness and grace and forbearance and joy and unity. And each week, we are examining each of these qualities of Jesus and consider what it looks like to fill our lives and the lives of others with this goodness. At the same time, we've issued this bucket challenge Last week, we, we gave you, those of you who are here, uh, these small pale buckets that we are challenging you to carry them with you for the next three months in this series. Anybody bring their bucket with them this morning? All right, $100 for each of you. <laughs> Remember, we want you to carry it with you each day, and if you didn't get a bucket last week, we've got baskets of them down here for you to get at the end of worship today. Paul begins this letter to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 12, by writing, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. And you remember last month I told you that I took Greek out of love of words, and one word specifically I love is the word splognon. Do you remember what it means, anybody? From the bowels. Oh, yes. Somebody's getting a gold star. It's a term that expresses this deep care and love and concern that comes from one's existence, coming from the depth of the bowels. And we encounter this in Matthew chapter 9, in which the gospel states that Jesus went throughout the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And what Matthew's conveying is that Jesus sees within God's identity this drive of love. This is not just a general fondness for humanity, but a deep abiding love for all people. 
And we don't just see that Jesus has compassion for people in this chapter, but in chapter nine alone in Matthew, Jesus heals a paralyzed man, then blesses who friends who loved him enough to bring their friend to Jesus. They love the Pharisees enough to tell them that their religiosity is blinding them from God's truth and calling. He called a despicable tax collector to come and follow him. He heals a woman who had been suffering for a disease for 12 years. He resurrects a 12-year-old girl back to life. He restores the hope of a parents who just lost their child. He gives sight to two blind men. He gives the voice back to a man who'd been crippled by a demon, and he loves the Pharisees enough to rebuke them by showing them that God is more interested in transforming humanity through love, not by religious laws. That's just in the one chapter in which it says Jesus had compassion for the people. The word that Paul uses here is not the word splognon, but it's related to it. It also means from the bowels. Paul is urging readers to fill their lives with compassion that comes from the core of our existence, an existence that is created by God that the Bible defines as love. When the girls were little, they played with these little peg puzzles. I think we've got a picture of it here. You know the little, it's like a pre-shaped hole, and you've got a little peg thing to, to go on. It's designed for kids to understand the concept of matching shapes together, matching pictures together, I love puzzles like this. I wish they made like 2,000 piece puzzles with little pegs on every single piece. It'd make it easy for me. You see, when Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God, when he speaks in, in, in parables and metaphors, sometimes we often can get confused, but Jesus is teaching us something so simple. In the gospel, we find that Jesus is being tested by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, rulers of the temple. They're motivated to trick Jesus on the basis that they might have a purpose to, to have him arrested and to later have him killed. And what's fascinating is that they so complicate the message of God that Jesus has this fascinating encounter with them in Matthew chapter 22 where he makes it very simple. It says this, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws and prophets hang on these two commands. When I was a junior in high school, I just realized how long ago that was. It made me feel really old for a second. Um, I started to have really bad headaches in class, and my parents uh, decided to take me to the doctor. He checked me out. Besides realizing that I had no common sense as a you know, 17-year-old boy, um, he asked me if I was squinting a lot in class. He did a quick eye exam, and then I got sent to the eye doctor. And since I played sports, I didn't want to mess with glasses, so once I got fitted, I, I had contacts in. And I remember for the first time sitting in class and being able to see clearly the, the chalkboard or being able to see clearly that, that ball that was flying through the air that I was either supposed to catch or intercept from, from the other team. The world was different now that I had a new lens by which I could see clearly. See, every time I hear these words of Jesus, love the Lord your God, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, I feel like what Jesus is trying to do is give us a new vision, a new lens by which we see the world. 
You see, these religious leaders were trying to do their best to stump Jesus, to cause him to contradict the law of Moses, the lens by which that they look at the, their life and the world and God through the authority of the Jewish worldview, all centered on the laws of Moses. But it wasn't that they just had these Ten Commandments. There was an additional 600-plus laws created by religious people to enforce the commandments. And if you zero into one specific law, the law of keeping the Sabbath, by the time you get to the first century Palestine, they had created over 39 different categories for the Sabbath alone. And so what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's He's reshaping their worldview. He's giving them a correct lens to look at the world. Do you want to know what God expects of us, Jesus said? Do you want to know what matters the most? It all boils down to loving God, but that does not stand alone because God expects you to love other people in the same way you love yourself. You see, this is a new vision for life. You cannot love God without loving your neighbor. The two go together in perfect symmetry and seeing the life that God has clearly conveyed for us. Jesus is echoing the words of the prophets who, who warned them that the people seem so outwardly pious with their sacrifices and their tithes and their worship, but they were taking advantage of the poor. They were participating in corrupt business practices. They were pushing the marginalized to the side. This is the message from Isaiah to Malachi. This is personified in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, when he says, God has shows you what is good, and what does God require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You see, Jesus is giving us a lens by which we can see true life, a life personified by, by the way that we think and the way that we speak and the way that we love other people. And as I was contemplating uh, this lens that Jesus invites us to see, this worldview, uh, a way of seeing neighbor and ourselves, I cannot help but think of the members of our community that live a life of compassion. Instead of me standing up here for the next 15 minutes, and telling you stories of how you can fill your lives with compassion, I invited a couple of our church members to come and share stories this morning about how they've experienced buckets brimming with compassion. Good morning. <laughs> For over a year now, I've been involved with a ladies group that consists of about 20 women. We gather once a month, a lot of times discussing a book that we've decided to read as a group. Other times we've met up at restaurants to just enjoy each other's company. It's something that I've definitely grown to look forward to, but not only that, I've developed true friendships with each and every one of them. It's amazing how caring and compassionate each one of them is for every lady in the group. This has been apparent in so many ways. Every time we meet, each lady has taken the time to cook, bake, or in my case, buy food. <laughs> We've had a joint baby shower for the women that are expecting new little ones. We even love each other enough to go on a weekend trip to the beach once a year, thanks to Rebecca and Liz and the Matthews family. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't ask for a stronger and more caring group of prayer warriors. Raising two little boys and being a working mom isn't the easiest thing, but having these ladies there to give me advice make me laugh after a hard day or simply just give me a hug is such a blessing. 
I know that we've formed lifelong friendships, and I'm so blessed to have them by my side. I look forward to growing in faith with each of them as we continue to make great memories together and hopefully get to add some new faces to our already amazing group of ladies. So if you're already a member of a connect group here at UBC, invite those around you to join in on the fun. And if you aren't a member of a connect group yet, we've got a really amazing community of people here that would love to welcome you in. Paul writes to the Romans, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in front of everyone. In the text, Paul challenges us to shift our perspective from the Roman way, the Roman way of aggression and pride and anger and grudges and retaliation. Instead, he calls us to the way of compassion, compassion found through Christ empowering us. Good morning. One of the ways that UBC practices compassion, I think, is through the Family Tree Cafe and um, play, I think that's what it's called, indoor play. This is a program that, the, that Deb Elgin conceived and got uh, running in which um, the Fellowship Hall is set up with lots of things for children to play with, um, and adults too when they want to, and um, moms or dads, grandparents, nannies bring children Monday through Thursday, any of these mornings, for indoor place that's safe and usually cool or warm, depending on what the weather calls for, and children can have a great time. I learned about this uh, firsthand because in the spring, Deb McElgin ran a little advertisement in the window wanting volunteers to help out. And I thought, well, I, I can do that. I, I do still work, but I can bring my work with me. She said that was fine. And um, I went with the expectation of helping her out. And as you can expect, spending time around children and mothers fills my bucket every Monday morning. And Andy, I just have to say, these are a little bit small, but you know, I guess you can refill them every day. I just want to say that I am thankful to be part of a church who has a heart for ministering to people who may never come in here and sit in these pews, but a church who wants to use its resources to provide a place for people in the community to come and actually make their own connect groups. They don't realize it, but a lot of them are doing that there. And I challenge you to come visit or check in. If you ever have a morning, Monday through Thursday, when uh, you're not occupied, come see what's going on in Fellowship Hall with the Family Tree Cafe. Beth, this empty bucket up here is for you to take the big one. 
He went to Nazareth where he was brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scholar prophet of Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, to recover sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendants and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. In this text, Jesus challenges us to see that the compassion of God is countercultural. God's compassion brings light even to the darkest of places. God's compassion is good news to the poor, freedom for the imprisoned, sight for the blind, and liberty for the oppressed. God's compassion fills us with more than just spiritual freedom. Believe it or not, University Baptist Church has been a been filling my bucket for about 70 years now. I know that's hard to believe, but but I am 70 years old. <laughs> but I say that because at our church in Jonesboro, Louisiana, where I belonged at that time, we called a new preacher, and his name was John Hurt, and he had been the preacher here at University Baptist Church until we called him, and he was an outstanding young man. Uh, he did a great job for our church and for our community, and we were blessed to have him in the community. About that same time, or a year later, we had a new student at Jonesboro Hodge High School. Now, that may not seem unusual to you all, but in the country where I come from, that was a, a real shift. This boy's name was George Hale, and he came from Ansley, down to Jonesboro Hodge High School to continue his education because his mother thought he would be better off there than at that little country school. I never had met Bub Hale until about 1950. He's filled my bucket. I've never met anybody quite like Bub. He's one of the best people I've ever known, and he's not... He wasn't a preacher boy kind of a person, I didn't think. But he was a great student. He was a great athlete. He was a great human being, and he still is. And while he was older than I was, and we weren't close friends at that age, he had a tremendous influence on me. He graduated from Jonesboro Hodge with, with honors, as much honor as we could give. And he got a scholarship to Louisiana Tech to play basketball to get his education. And he got through there in four years and he went to the seminary at Louisville and ended up finally back here as the minister at uh, University Baptist Church. In 1979, Francis and I joined this church. We, when, we had an opportunity to come to Baton Rouge and it wasn't a real, real good time in my life because there had been an event that had taken place uh, in, in our lives that didn't turn out quite like we thought it was, and we had to make a lot of changes. Uh, 
as soon as Bob Hale and Paul Merle, as a matter of fact, knew that uh, we were coming, they called to invite us to uh, attend University Baptist Church, and we had already decided where we were going to go and what we were going to do, and we joined this church, and it's been one of the best decisions we ever made as a couple. wasn't long before I, w- I was, got a call from Bob, because we had coffee, and we'd, we'd, we'd meet and talk about things. He said, we need somebody to teach a, a class of high school, uh, high school juniors and seniors. And, and that, you'd, you'd be a good, good man to do that for us. And I, I really didn't want to do it uh, because, you know, kids that age are a real challenge, as I recall. But I said that I would, and I'm so glad that I did because looking back, I remember in, in that, that uh, group of people, we had some of the Hawthorne children, some of the Dreyer children, some of the uh, uh, Odenwald children, the Merle children, the big, and it's, uh, the list goes on and on, but it was a genuine joy to fool with those children and to exchange with them and to do the best that I could in sharing with them my faith. One long before Bub decided that uh, we needed to change some things because he wanted to start a, a young married people's class. And it didn't take long for him to talk me into teaching that class because in that group of people, we had, uh, amongst others, the Kilpatricks, uh, uh, the Pattersons, and we have a David Patterson who's still teaching that class, the Nicholsons, the, the, the names go on and on. But uh, again, it was a, a, a wonderful experience that I was able to have through University Baptist Church in, in that capacity. Finally, I decided that I had probably mangled those people's minds enough and, and that maybe that they should have someone else do their teaching. And I was getting a little tired of Sunday school teaching and, and wanted to go to a Sunday school class. And uh, I retired and was looking for a place to go to Sunday school and found out that there was a strange group meeting with Kenny Tipton once a week and decided that I would try that. And if you don't have anywhere to go in Sunday school on Sunday morning, you come to the nomad class. I don't know whether it's nomad or, or, or all mad some days, but it's a wonderful Sunday school class. For, for, for me, for me, University Baptist Church has filled my cup in so many ways. Sunday school to me is, is just a must if you're gonna participate in church because you get to know so many people, to share with so many people. And I thank all of you for letting me be a member of this church and being a part of sharing with you. Thank you. Keep filling my bucket, please. Bubba's story and Katie's story and Beth's story challenge us in unique ways to fill our lives and the lives of others with compassion. But their stories join a beautiful community of people who, in their own unique way, express compassion each day. When I look around me, I see people of compassion. Sharon Matthews, who pours into the lives of hundreds of young girls through the medium of dance. Michael Tipton, who daily finds ways to invest in the lives of people of Louisiana by empowering them with grants and resources so they can care for their communities. Cherry Breeland expresses compassion by providing resources for young women in third world countries to navigate the challenges of experiencing growing up. Have you ever had any of Glenda Evans' cooking? Compassion is expressed through the gift of food in so many ways. Chuck Goodwin has never met a stranger, 
Compassion is expressed through him by the way that he makes each person he encounters feel loved and welcome. Millicent Hopkins gives of herself. She gives it herself in so many different ways without expecting anything in return. You see, person after person, I look around this room and I see extraordinary people and extraordinary journeys seeking and finding unique ways to be a people of compassion and Baton Rouge, whether with work or friendships or government or education or family or neighbor or stranger. Every day, you and I carry around a bucket. It's the bucket of our lives. We have a choice to either fill up or empty our buckets, to either fill up or empty the buckets of others. We've heard this morning beautiful and challenging stories of what it looks like to fill others and to fill our lives with compassion. Each day, we have the opportunity to fill others with compassion. Jesus' invitation is to rethink what's in our bucket. Instead of a bucket of hatred and grudges and fear and judgment, Jesus invites us to fill our lives with compassion from God's bountiful love for us. So as you carry your bucket with you this week, consider what it might look like to fill others with compassion. As you carry your bucket this week, consider how you might fill the buckets of your neighbors, of your coworkers, of your strangers, and people very different from you with compassion.